Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Apple, or Podbean, all you got to do is just type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow and like the page there, and share around with others. Now, X, Instagram, and Facebook, all you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow, like the pages, you'll get episode updates, you'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football, you'll get a trivia question on Instagram stories, go and answer today's, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Quick intro, I was ready to get into it, college football was electrifying in week 10, honestly, it opened my eyes a little bit. It made me want to sing, I can see clearly now the rain has... Okay, so don't want to hear me sing. You want to hear me talk about football. So it made me open my eyes a little bit. But not only that, it made me think like, oh, wow, they're not ready yet. You already know what I'm going to talk. You already know what I'm talking about. We're going to get into that. Week 10 recap. We got some games we're going to talk about. Some honorable mention games I'm going to mention here in a little bit. Week 11 preview and predictions. We got some top games that we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you one game we're going to talk about, and it's a spoiler. Ole Miss and Georgia. We got to talk about that one. We're going to break down that one and cover that one this week. We're also going to talk about the frenzy playoff rankings. Going to give you my next set of them, and we're going to talk about them on this show, unveil them before tonight's second you know, unveiling of the college football playoff rankings on ESPN. We're going to unveil my version of the rankings and where everyone should be on the on Pigskin Frenzy's list here in our team of people. And we're also going to talk about what's going on with the Michigan Michigan sign stealing investigation up in Ann Arbor and what's going on at Los Angeles and USC. Guys, subscribe to the channel. Keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy, please, on YouTube. Uh, audio, Podbean, Spotify, and Apple mainly. Share around with others. Follow on there. Keep plugging in on all the socials, X, Facebook, and Instagram for all things of today for Pigskin Frenzy. Now, before we get into the recap for Week 10, honorable mentions. I said I was going to mention them. Two games. Let's start with one. Bedlam, quickly. Last Bedlam game played. Final score there was 27-24. Oklahoma State routes Oklahoma. Ollie Gordon the second. If you haven't watched him, go and watch him. 130-plus yards on the ground. A couple of scores and almost 33 carries. He was their playbook in Bedlam and Stillwater this past weekend. He he is a, he is a good running back. Very underrated. Uh, he He's one of those backs that you're going to have to watch out for for the future. Good and a future NFL talent in Ollie Gordon the second there. So, good player. In Arkansas, Arkansas, Florida is the next game we're going to talk about. Florida fighting for bowl eligibility still. Arkansas fighting for bowl eligibility. Arkansas has got to win out majorly. They upset one of the teams they had to, to upset to get there. Three and six for Arkansas. They upset Florida 39-36 in overtime. Florida missed a game-winning field goal in regulation. Leads to overtime, makes it 39-36. It was 14 to nothing starting out against Florida. They were down. The Gators were down against the Razorbacks, 14-0. And how it ends, overtime, 39-36. Arkansas defeats Florida. Will Florida be back in the future? Most likely. But this season, they are fighting for bowl eligibility. And if they want to get there, they have a brutal three-game stretch awaiting for them. Starting this Saturday night in Death Valley in Baton Rouge. 
They got to play in Baton Rouge Saturday night, Death Valley against LSU. Then they got to go on the road again to play Missouri in Columbia. And we know how Missouri has been this season. And then they got to go back home to face their rival, number four, Florida State. That's a tough three-game stretch. The likely scenario would be five and seven, the, what everyone projected him to be before the season has started. We're going to, you know, we'll have to see what happens there. The likeliest upset they could possibly get to finally getting bowl eligibility would be against Missouri. Uh, it's going to be hard. We're going to see what happens, but five and four right now, they probably should have not have lost against Arkansas. That's all I'm going to say. But Arkansas three and six, Florida five and four, Arkansas routes Florida. Going back to that Bedlam game before we recap the rest of the, the top games we were talking about, that Bedlam game, Okie State. Six and two right now, about to be seven and two now. About fixing to be seven and two. They're in prime spot this this week. They could be seven and two. They're in prime position to go to Dallas to play for the Big Twelve Championship. I'm not joking. I am not joking. They're in prime spot. Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy has got them ready now. After getting humiliated by South Alabama, they were like, "No, this is not how our season is going to go." And now they are on top of the Big Twelve right now. Oklahoma. Kind of, you know, tied with everybody right now. The Big 12 is just a complete tie right now. Kansas State, Texas, we're going to break that down here in a little bit, but it's a little little interesting going on in the Big 12. It's like who's going to face Texas in the Big 12 championship. So we're going to see, we're going to see about everything here, you know, within the next few weeks. So recap time. Sorry, recap time for the main games that we are covering. Texas and Kansas State, now, I was among all you who were probably watching the game, and I was watching it. I mean, obviously, I got to cover all these games, right? I'm podcast podcast host. I got to talk about this stuff. So I was thinking, and I was sitting back. Okay, it's seventeen nothing. Texas is going off right now. This might be over. This might be over. I only flip 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 flop between these games. Flip flopped. Uh, looked on the clicker on the bottom. It was. 20-27-21. Only by a touchdown. And then I flip back. I'm like, whoa, hey, what's going on? Excuse me, what happened? Flip back. All of a sudden, Kansas State scores. It's a tied game, 27-27. Then Texas kicks the field goal, makes it 30-27. Then they make it 30-30, going to overtime. I'm like, what just happened? I mean, what happened? Kansas State starts coming back on them. And then Texas gets the field goal. Kansas State gets stopped, ball game, in overtime, Texas 33, Kansas State 30, final score, they beat Kansas State. Now, let me break this game down for stats, and then we will talk about the game itself. Malik Murphy filling in for Quinn Ewers, he had that AC joint sprain, he's expected to return anytime now, because he's now labeled as day-to-day, instead of week-to-week, so good news for him, he's starting to practice a little bit more, so let's see what the status of Quinn Ewers is by at least this weekend or next weekend. So Malik Murphy, 19 for 37 with 248 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions. Jonathan Brooks, 22 carries with 112 yards and a touchdown. C.J. Baxter, 10 carries with 90 yards and a touchdown. A.D. Mitchell, eight receptions with 149 yards and a touchdown. Xavier Worthy, five receptions with 48 yards. Jordan Winnington, three receptions with 23 yards. And the defense played really well, but gave up a big lead to Kansas State in that third quarter. And that's where it happened, the third quarter. After Halftime hit, Kansas State was fired up. Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator and former Kansas State quarterback, got them ready to play. 
in the in the second half, the start of the second half. Will Howard played like played ball. All right, let me just go on to tell you something. He played ball. 26 for 42 with 327 yards and four touchdowns with one interception. Trishon Ward, nine carries with 30 yards, two receptions with 12 yards. DJ Giddens, nine carries with 22 yards, three receptions with 23 yards. JC Brown, four receptions with 77 yards and a touchdown. Phillip Brooks, the third, nine recep- five receptions, sorry, five receptions with 76 yards, two touchdowns. Keegan Johnson, he had seven, or seven receptions with 70 yards and a touchdown. Ben Sinat, Five receptions with 69 yards, and the defense notched up three takeaways. For Malik Murphy, they had three takeaways, two interceptions, and a fumble. So, 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 (laughs) what I saw, and I mentioned the Wildcats, first half, Texas looked like the better football team. No question. But in the second half, I'm just going to let you know now, Kansas State was the better football team in the second half. They came prepared and ready to roll. I think Texas stepped their foot off the gas just a tiny bit and went into overtime with them and tested Chris Kleiman and this football team. You do not test this team. Kansas State's a team that you don't really want to test. And Chris Kleiman's a, a very good coach. They're, all, they're obviously well-disciplined, and they are not going to quit. All right, so you do not take your foot off the gas against this team, and that was that was a uh, big mistake by Sarkeesian and the Longhorns team. They fought at the end. Texas did fight on defense at the end and held the Wildcats, which was good. But in the overall premise of the second half, they didn't complete a sixty-minute game. They did not, uh, and I, and I think that Kansas State, Kansas State is a team where if somebody else loses, they're still in it. They're still in it to go to Dallas, but somebody else has got to lose now. However, with the way the Big Ten, the Big 12 race is going here in Dallas, the Big 12 race, I, I could see somebody losing because it's looking, it's looking, it's looking very, very competitive, if you will. Iowa State's still in it. Surprisingly, Kansas is still in it. Uh, I mean, uh, Kansas, Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Texas and Oklahoma, they're all in it. Oklahoma State and Texas are one and two. Texas being one, Oklahoma State being two. Texas only got one loss. So you might have one spot already filled. We're going to see who the second spot's going to go to. It's looking like Oklahoma State, after beating Oklahoma in Bedlam, and they have that win over Kansas State. Oklahoma State's just got to lose another game, right? Uh, we just got to see what happens there. My nose itched. <laughs> so uh, Texas probably would have to get Quinn Ewers back sooner rather than later. Nothing against Malik Murphy. He is just not that experienced for the bigger time games yet, and he will be. He will be, but in this game, he showed a little bit why that they were missing a little bit something with Quinn Ewers. So, uh, final score, Texas 33, Kansas State 30. I thought Texas played uh, a good game in the first half, just didn't just took their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half. Kansas State showed some heart and resilience, but in the end, just couldn't get it done in overtime in Austin. So, 33-30, Texas beats Kansas State close. Now, moving on, let's talk about out west in Los Angeles. Let's talk about Washington and USC. I thought this was going to be kind of one-sided. I thought it was going to be 42-21 Washington over USC. I was wrong. It was a dang near shootout in the Coliseum. They're going to start scoring everywhere. But in the end, I got that game right. 
Final score, Washington 52, USC 42. 10-point game, Washington defeats USC. Let's go with the stats, and I will talk about the game. Michael Penix, ladies and gentlemen, 22 for 30 with 256 yards and two touchdowns with one interception with one rushing touchdown. He will be in New York, ladies and gentlemen. They're 9-0 now. Dylan Johnson had the biggest game of his career so far, and he did it in the Coliseum. He was a difference maker in this game, and he was probably the biggest reason why they won. 26 carries with 256 yards and four touchdowns. Dylan Johnson has not had a game over 150-plus yards and he had 256 yards on the ground. 26 carries with 256 yards and four touchdowns. Will Nixon, four carries with 24 yards. Rome Dunze, five receptions with 82 yards. Jalen Polk, five receptions with 52 yards and one touchdown. Devin Colt, they're tied in, two receptions with 27 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, defensive back Dominique Hampton and Michelle Powell were the highlights of this defense with a combined of total of 15 tackles. Jalen McMillan did not play this game. He was out. Uh, do not know. I don't know the, the root cause of why he was out, but he missed and was out this game uh, in in USC. So I was kind of interested in that, but it really didn't matter. Washington won the ball game. Let's go with USC's you know USC's numbers, and I'll get to the game. Caleb Williams played like a madman. <laughs> he was going off that game, and he played with his heart. I'm going to get to this in a minute. Twenty. I want to get to why and what happened with Caleb in a minute. 27 for 40, 35 with 312 yards and three touchdowns. 10 carries with 16 yards and a touchdown. Austin Jones, 11 carries with 127 yards. Darwin Barlow, two carries with 44 yards and a touchdown. Relique Brown, three carries with 16 yards and a touchdown. Taj Washington, eight receptions with 122 yards and one touchdown. Brendan Rice, two receptions with 44 yards and a touchdown. Mario Williams, four receptions with 42 yards and a touchdown. The highlights for this defense were safety Kalen Bullock and linebacker Eric Gentry. Bullock had nine total tackles and Gentry had eight total tackles and a sack. Those, those guys both played really well, but other than that, it was hard for them to contain the white-hot white hot offense of the Washington Huskies. It was just them two that really made a difference on that defense, but the defense overall just was not good. They couldn't stop Washington. So uh, with Washington, 9-0, they're prime and ready. They looked like how they did against Oregon, like how I said they needed to. They played consistent football. They looked a little bit weaker on the defense because, I mean, look at the offense of USC, right? That's okay. But Washington looked good. Um, Oregon's going to have something to say about that, and maybe Oregon State. Washington has a game against Utah that we cannot ignore, even though Utah's already lost two games, that you cannot ignore the uh, you cannot ignore Utah just yet. Washington 9-0, looking into a, a tough home game against Utah. Let's see what happens there. But they look pretty solid on offense. They looked like everything was flowing. But besides Jalen McMillan being out, they looked like they were rocking and rolling, especially Dylan Johnson on the ground. He made the biggest impact, especially for that offense to help him score that much. Four touchdowns. I mean, my goodness, 256 yards and four touchdowns. Wow. Good on Washington there. For USC, they couldn't get it going on defense. That's not surprising. I didn't expect that to happen at all. Uh, Caleb Williams played his heart out. There was no, there was no Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, I forgot to mention that, but Marshawn Lloyd did not play 
this game either. So he was out, and I was kind of surprised about that. He missed this game, and Austin Jones carried a majority of the load with Darwin Barlow and Relique Brown getting the, the, the two touchdowns, uh, one for each. So Caleb Williams played his heart out. He played like how he would when he won the Heisman last season. He... Uh, three passing touchdowns and a touchdown on the ground with 312 yards, you know, in the air. So it was hard. And and this is my, my thing for the game. Uh, played great on offense, didn't play good on defense. Per, per usual for USC, I didn't expect them to win this game. I thought Washington was going to win. But here's what I noticed. And it was after the game was over. And for everybody saying... Caleb Williams, he's just this. He's showboaty. He's that. He's this. It's Caleb Williams. He went over to his mom and his parents, and he covered his face with a sign, and you could see he was upset and emotional. He was crying. He was he was visibly breaking down. To me, when I saw that, that kind of changed a little bit of my opinion on Caleb. My opinion on Caleb was this. He was a good quarterback, but how well... And how how does he give himself to the game? Well, that proved it right there. He gave, he he gives everything to this game, and he wants to be great, and he wants his team to be great. He cares about playing football, and he loves this sport. And for everybody out there that's picking on him for breaking down like that, I'm just gonna say shame on everyone for picking on him. It's a man that gave his he's giving his season and giving it all he has to try to win, and. He cares about this sport so much, and he wants to play football so much and wants to be great so much that he's given it all he has. And by crying like that and breaking down to his parents like that, that shows it. And he's not doing it on camera. Obviously, he's covering his face so no one sees him on camera because they know that the cameras are going to be pointed at him. So he was visibly upset. He was broken down. He didn't want to lose to Washington. He wanted to beat Washington. He wanted to upset Washington and give Washington its first loss of the year and upset them at home. He cares about the game. People would love to have a player like that on their team. I'm just going to sit there and say that now. They would love to have a, a player that cares so much about the game of football on their team as their leader. And that's really all I got to say about it. I'm defending Caleb Williams. Uh, Caleb's a good quarterback. He wants to do well, and he means and he want, he means business, and he wants to be great. And I respect that. I really respect that from Caleb Williams. Final score: fifty-two forty-two. Washington routes USC. Respect for Caleb Williams and props to that offense for trying. The defense, I'm going to get to USC uh, after the Week 10 recap, and we're going to talk about that just for a tiny bit because uh, you already saw the news. I already tweeted it out on Pigskin Frenzy on socials. You're going to see it in a minute. We're going to break it down just here in just a little bit. So Washington 52, USC 42. Moving on, Georgia, Missouri. Uh, this game was a game where, okay, it's, you know, going to be close, but I picked Georgia to win. I was right. <laughs> Georgia, 30, Missouri, 21, final score. Let's go with the stats, and I'll break it down a little bit. And I'll break it down a little bit quicker so we can get to the last game. But Carson Beck, has he really has played well, honestly, and it's showing each and every week. 21 for 32 with 254 yards and two touchdowns, six carries with nine yards. Dejan Edwards, 16 carries with 77 yards, two receptions with 28 yards. Kendall Milton, 
Don carries with 44 yards and a touchdown. Lad McConkey, seven receptions with 95 yards. Rod Rod Thomas, three receptions with 36 yards. Dominic Lovett, the Missouri transfer, playing against his old team. Four receptions with 33 yards and a touchdown. Oscar Delp, the tight end replacement for Brock Bowers, three receptions with 33 yards and a touchdown. The defense played with a lot of intensity and toughness, that's per usual, and sealed the game with an interception by defensive back Javon Bullard, his first on the year. Brady Cook, fourth for Missouri. Brady Cook, 14 for 29 with 212 yards, a touchdown with one interception, 10 carries with 39 yards. Cody Schrader, by the way, the probably the best running back in the conference. Hands down, probably the best running back of the conference. Uh, he's uh, he's up there with Ray Davis. He's up there with Jace McClellan. He's up there with guys like Logan Diggs. He's up there. I think Cody Schrader could probably be the best running back in there. 22 carries with 112 yards and a touchdown. Three receptions with 14 yards. Theo Weiss, three, Theo Weiss Jr., the Oklahoma transfer. Five receptions with, with 90 yards. Luther Burden, three receptions with 53 yards and a touchdown. The defense just gave it their all, but they just couldn't hold up in the end against Georgia. They were outmatched they were outmatched and that is the whole point of the game and that's what I was at least just trying to break down last week let me get some water you probably saw it on there I'm sorry I just wanted to lean down and get some water if you're on audio all you heard probably was me just sipping on some water just had to get some get some get some stuff for my voice going a little bit let's pump the brakes Missouri Good team, surprising team, most surprising team in the SEC. I thought they were going to give it their all Saturday. I knew this game was going to be a little bit closer because Missouri is a surprising football team. And Eli Drinkwitz, their head coach, has saved his job. He has saved his his career right now, and he has got Missouri at the highest level they can right now, and they're ready to play. They were expected to go maybe bowl eligible, if not five and seven, maybe. Missouri is about to could could hit a ten win se- nine or ten win season. Unbelievable, unbelievable. When you look at that, that's it's insane, right? You thought Missouri was you know not gonna go even win ten games, but they're gonna hit. They could hit that mark. They got a tough game Saturday. We're gonna talk about it later on. But unbelievable, unbelievable. Missouri, man, they competed. But here come the dogs. And they're and they were just outmatched. It's okay. It's okay. They're just not up there with Georgia currently. Georgia right now just kind of outmatched Missouri, and that's all it was. It was a game where it was close, and Missouri gave it their all. Georgia played good, and Missouri played good. It's a competition. That's what you want in college football. It's like, dude, you know Georgia played bad. They, they didn't play bad. They played good football. They played how they were playing, but Missouri gave them a fight. And they fought with all they had, but they got outmatched in the end. That was the game. That's the that's the summary of the game. That's not really, I'm not talking about, you know, what's going on now. It's just how it is, you know. It's just, I'm not saying, oh, Georgia did this, Missouri did it. Nobody did anything wrong. Competition, you know, and it was a challenge. Missouri just is not up there with Georgia yet. Could be. Who knows? Let's see what Missouri does, right? But right this season, it's Georgia. And it and it's been Georgia, right? 
Uh, final score, 30, Georgia, Missouri, 21. I said I was going to talk about this quickly, quickly, and I, I kind of did. It's, it's just one way to sum it up. Georgia's got a game Saturday. Ole Miss, they're going to present a challenge, but let's see what happens Saturday with with Ole Miss and Georgia. Georgia is going to win the East. I'm just going to put that out there. Georgia most likely will win the East. They've only lost they've only, they haven't lost yet. They're undefeated. They would only lose one conference game. If so, it'd be against either Ole Miss or Tennessee. They got three games left. Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. I just do... I don't see them losing to Tennessee. I'm just going to spoil that now. I just don't see them losing to Tennessee right now. I don't see them losing to Georgia Tech. Let's see about Saturday. Uh... And I will give you my thoughts on it later on. So I just don't see them losing to Tennessee at this current time. Georgia 30, Missouri 21. Let's move on to the other SEC West SEC game. And it's SEC West. Last game we're going to talk about Alabama LSU. Oh, Joel, you homer. (laughs) You homer. You picked LSU. Home field advantage for Alabama, three-point underdogs LSU. They have the number one offense, but what's up with that defense? Come on, Joel. Why did you pick LSU? That's what I heard. Final score, Alabama 42, LSU 28. I picked LSU. I honestly thought that it was going to be a score fest where maybe the defense could finally show some improvement. And finally, they showed some improvement against Auburn and and Army in in the back end of Missouri, to be exact. And Missouri's a good football team, so at the the back end of it, to be exact. I was wrong. I was wrong. And that's all all I got to say. That's what it is. I was wrong. Let's go. With the stats, and we're going to break down this game. Close, close game in the first half, by the way. It was tied at halftime, 28, 20, I'm sorry, 21, 21. And let's just, let's just do this. As I put everything back up for me, I'm going to back up my chair. Sorry, I dropped my pen. I'm being unprofessional again. My fault. So let's read off the stats. So let me scoot my chair back up. Jalen Milrow. Unbelievable in this game, by the way. I, I'm going to nickname him the Deer because he runs like a deer, and he showed it. <sighs> Jalen Milrow, 14 for, uh, 15 for 23 with 219 yards, 12, 20 carries with 155 yards, and four touchdowns. Four touchdowns, not through the air, on the ground. Jalen Milrow was putting up Jalen uh, Jaden Daniels' numbers. He put up Jaden Daniels' numbers, to, and he equaled Jaden Daniels. We're going to get to Jaden Daniels in a minute. Jace McClellan, 14 carries, 63 yards in the touchdown, 42-yard reception. Roy Dell Williams, 16 carries, 56 yards in the touchdown. Jamarian Miller, 4 carries, 17 yards, and 35-yard reception. Isaiah Bond, 5 receptions, 60 yards. Jermaine Burton, 3 receptions for 29 yards. Kendrick Law, 2 receptions with 25 yards. The defense played with lots of intensity and strength and even notched a crucial turnover in the game as well. I'm going to get to that. Jaden Daniels, 15 for 24 with 20, 219 yards and two touchdowns with one interception, 11 carries with 163 yards and a touchdown. He was taken out later in the game with a big hit by Dallas Turner that was called for unnecessary roughness. I'm not going to get into the should have been targeting, should it should it not be targeting. I'm not going to get into that. 
He just got hit hard. He's in concussion protocol. We're taking they're taking it day to day. They're taking it day to day in Baton Rouge, and we're gonna see if he will be ready for Florida Saturday night. I will post that on social media, and let's see if he's ready for the rivalry game against Florida Saturday night. So, Logan Diggs, eight receptions with 24 yards. Josh Williams, four carries with 19 yards and a touchdown. Malik Neighbors, always impressive, especially going into the NFL draft. He has been lights out. Uh, Malik Neighbors, 10 receptions with 171 yards and a touchdown. He played great against Alabama. Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors were on point in throwing the ball. He didn't even call it an impressive one footed touchdown one foot big one footed first down over Malachi Moore and Malachi Moore was like what happened Malik Neighbors got him and it, it was just impressive to see two guys like Malik uh, Malachi Moore and Malik Neighbors just go at it right Kyron Lacey, two receptions with 39 yards and a touchdown. Brian Thomas, three receptions with 36 yards. Mason Taylor, three receptions with 19 yards. Linebacker Harold Perkins and linebacker Greg Penn were the main highlights for this defense, with Perkins having eight total tackles and one sack, and Penn having 10 total tackles. Now, Greg Penn is the leader of that team on tackles. Harold Perkins only behind him. And then in the second half, they were quiet. But the overall defense throughout the game, non-existent. Let's get into the game. Uh, They went down the field, had one stop, one stop, punted the ball. First drive, lights it up. Jaden Daniels with the air. Malik Neighbors was wide open. Touchdown LSU, 7-zip. Then after that, that woke Jalen Milrow up. He scored a touchdown. That was his first of the night. Then we t- stopped on, t- got t- turned over on downs. Bama scored again. We missed a field goal. Bama missed a field goal. Then it was a, uh, they got stopped on there. And it was one of those things where they scored again. LSU did. Bama scored again. LSU scored again. 21-21 and a half. And then after that, it was LSU score, 28-21. Then Bama scored again, 28-28. Then for the second half, Alabama's second half team showed back up, just like in every game this season, scratched and clawed, and did not stop. LSU was self-inflicting wounds, penalties, time of possession, defense, all of it came into a factor. Bama would not stop scoring. Jaden Daniels got hurt. He was out. The game just went away from LSU. And then that's how the end of the game happened. LSU got burned out. And I'm just going to sit there and say that. LSU got burned out. It was a a burnout. And to me, that's what it looked like. You're going to think, dude, what are you talking about? They did. They got got self-inflicting penalties, including uh, on the center, Turner, the center. Uh, Turner, the center, he... He definitely, he made some self-inflicting errors. Uh, he had about four or five penalties, just him alone. Um, it was rarely loud in Bryant-Denny. It, uh, a bunch of false starts and a crucial interception as Jaden Daniels threw it, batted it in the air, and Terry and, Terry and Arnold, defense back of Alabama, picked it off, and they scored again. The defense is the biggest problem for LSU. That's There's no secret. Uh I'm going to get to Alabama in a minute, but let's talk about LSU just to break it down. LSU's 
biggest problem is their defense. Let's look at the numbers. Eight penalties for LSU. Eight penalties. But 507 total yards given up. That's their average. That's their average. They've given up more than that. They've given up way more than that. But that's their average, usually a game, for their defense to give up that many. There's no excuse for it. I mean, it's just not good. It's not. It's bad. It's not good. LSU doesn't have a good defense, and, and they have a no defense, and that's fine. It's it's like USC's, and we're gonna get to USC in a minute. But 507 total yards given up, and the time of possession was just, you know, I've been mentioning this for Alabama. They like to ground grind you out, slow and methodical. And they like to make the game slow. And then you're like, oh my gosh. And they just wear you out. That's the kind of team Bama is this year. They just wear you out. In time of possessions, they beat us. We were trying to get to that game, that, that point of the game, to see if we can match it. We cannot, LSU cannot match that. All right? LSU cannot match that at all. We were trying to, they were trying to see if LSU, can, LSU was trying to see if they can match it. They just couldn't do it. 33 Minutes and 33 seconds total for time of possession for Alabama. And for LSU, it was 26 minutes and 27 seconds. They are more of a fast-paced, multiple offense to where they just score down the field. Bama is going to make you pay through the ground. Uh, misdirections with Milrow, yes. And then Milrow was going to hit the deep ball. Milrow did not hit the deep ball all of a sudden in this game. He missed a lot of his throws. He even missed a wide-open walk-in touchdown to Isaiah Bond. And he just threw it out of bounds. And you're like, oh, man. LSU got away with one there. LSU's defense is just not up to par. We're going to see what changes are going to be made and adjustments. But LSU, and I'm just going to be frank, is not there with Georgia and Alabama yet. They weren't there last year. Even though, even though... They won the West. I picked LSU to win the West early in the preseason. I was thinking to myself, maybe, even though they're not there yet, maybe Bama could have an off night and off and some off games to where LSU wins the West and goes and beats Georgia because because of their offense and maybe their defense was going to be good enough. I didn't know their defense was going to be like this. And maybe they were going to be good enough. I didn't know LSU's defense was going to be like this. I didn't know LSU was going to have a defense to where they missed tackles, they gave up a bunch of big plays, and I didn't know it was going to be like that. So with my pick, and I said this also, I said, going back to Alabama, that Bama man is a team that you don't want to back up in the, against the corner. And that's what I was bringing up earlier when I said we're going to bring a, a an, old, an old remembrance of you know, a past pigskin frenzy episodes and bring it into tonight's. I, I said that Bama is a team that if you just say, count them out, they're going to jump on you and they're going to make you pay for it. And they're making people pay for it right now. This is a playoff team. Alabama is a playoff team and we're, they're back. <laughs> you missed, you, you missed them. Did you see, did you miss us? That's what Nick Saban and Alabama are saying right now. They look like they're finally starting to click. Per and by the way, physically against LSU, tossed them around, tossed them around physically. They look good physically. Offensive line look good. Defensive line they look pretty good as well. LSU's offense is going to score on you. 
They're the number one offense in the country and still are the number one offense in the country. But Bama is very physical, and that's, what I think, what got them. The physicality of the game is what got LSU a little bit, and they were a little bit more physical. And not only really a little bit, they were a lot more physical. And Bama is going to present a challenge. And I'm just going to say this right now. Georgia is going to get challenged by Alabama. That's the SEC championship game, I think, guys. I think it's it's most likely going to be Alabama, yes, Alabama, and Georgia in Atlanta now. And we're going to see what happens in a few weeks in, in Atlanta, but it's looking like this is the collision collision course. We're going to go on another Bama-Georgia SEC championship. I'm here for it. Sign me up. This is an interesting game, especially after what happened in, in Bryant-Denny this past Saturday. Georgia looks physical. Bama looks physical. Let's see what happens. I think Bama is a playoff team. Do not count them out yet. And my opinion kind of sloped after seeing Bama a little bit earlier in the season. And then seeing LSU, but on defense, LSU has a lot to be fixed. They need to improve and get depth in certain areas, and they need to build a whole new defense up. They will be ready. LSU will be back and will be up there with Georgia and Alabama. It's just not currently. Bama and Georgia are both two teams that are more ready now. So final score, 42-28. Alabama rolls past LSU. Bama undefeated in conference play and... Only one loss. So if they beat Georgia in the SEC Championship, and this is the road we are going down on in Atlanta, you hear that you hear that knocking? That's the knocking of the door of the college football playoff. Bama rolls past LSU 42-28. Now, other news of college football, we're going to get into this really quick and talk about it before we get into the rankings and predict Week 11 top matchups. USC, go back to Los Angeles. USC, and you've already noticed this, you've seen it, have made a change at defense finally. USC has fired defensive coordinator Alex Grinch after losing to Washington and getting put up 52 points. Uh, No surprise here. Uh, I thought Alex Grinch was going to be probably relieved of his duties, and probably I thought Alex Grinch was going to be relieved of his duties earlier on, and... Look, we just got to see what changes they're going to be made at defense. That is a big thing. If they need, if USC needs to compete and wants to compete any further, they got to make some changes on the defensive side of the ball. Brian Odom and Sean Nua will serve as co-interim defensive coordinators for the remainder of the season until USC gets a new defensive coordinator for 2024. So let's see what happens with USC there. Once again, they have fired defensive coordinator Alex Grinch after the defensive performances for the past two seasons. So uh, getting a new coordinator, that is what they need to be done. Biggest change for USC is change the defense. Nose is itching, guys. (laughs) My nose has been itching. Sorry. Let's go with the Michigan sign stealing investigation a little bit. Let's talk about this and break this down before we go to the rankings and before we hit up the preview and predictions. So Michigan has fired. Michigan has fired. Connor Stallions. Due to the sign stealing investigation, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh is, quote-unquote, expected to be punished and could be suspended per Pete Thamel is what they were saying. They were, And that was what was happening on game day. But those were the notes I got and I drew up a couple of days ago. It's Tuesday, so there's always some new stuff. So let's just do this. 
Let's go to the phone, right? Let's go to the phone and let's see some stuff. So, Michigan. In my ear, in my thoughts on Michigan, I'm going to get to them. So, and this was from yesterday. The NCAA, and this is just just happened, and, just, and this was reported yesterday by Yahoo Sports, Ross Dellinger, and all, all the guys up there. They do a fine job, by the way. The NCAA is not implicating Jim Harbaugh, which means the league's findings do not connect Michigan coach to science-stealing scandal. Just Connor Stallions. Big news. Big news out of Michigan. That is big news out of Michigan from yesterday. And honestly, when you look at everything that's going on, I mean, could it be, you know, could it be? Could could it be, okay, they don't connect anything from Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, you know, has nothing to do with him. It's one of those things where, is it true or not? You, and you question a lot. You question a lot, is Jim Harbaugh really not connected to it, or is he connected to it? A lot of people don't do this, guys. They don't get somebody on staff to go to 35-plus games outside from 2021 to or 2019 to 2022 and, and film the other sidelines on campus to games that not are not even in your conference. You just don't do that. It, it, it's something that is not not really all that normal <laughs> and, and it's kind of it's kind of fishy you know it kind of makes you you know like okay paranoid a little bit if you're you know playing some games but I'm pretty sure that Michigan will handle this there's a lot going on with the science seedling investigation uh Central Michigan, there's a lot going on up there. They're trying to join and investigate what's going on up there because of suspicious activity with sign stealing there. Michigan, under a lot of fire. This is going to cause a lot of issues. Uh, Even if they were going to battle, you know, with a suspension and possible punishment for Jim Harbaugh, I'm pretty sure that Michigan would counter with a legal action. This is what's been talked about by Pete Thamel and Yahoo Sports and a lot of other people. It would have been a big to-do. A big to-do. And if they do not punish Jim Harbaugh, it's going to be a big to-do around the Big Ten. It's going to be a big to-do around college football. And it's one of those things where it's going to be a, okay, no one really wins here. Right? So with a sign signaling investigation, it's wrong. But at the same time, when you look at it, if no one does anything about this and we just move on, it's going to tick a lot of people off. So my thing with the sign and ceiling investigation with, and with Michigan and everything going on right now, I try to I try to stay out of scandals because it's like we don't really fully know because there's something new coming out every freaking second. It's just hard to see. And this is my honest thoughts. The NCAA couldn't find any findings with Jim Harbaugh with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard to, to see. Nothing against Jim Harbaugh. I, listen, for this is going to be an unpopular opinion. I think Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. I think Jim Harbaugh at Michigan is interesting. It's always been interesting that Jim Harbaugh has been at Michigan and, and what he does up there for the Wolverines. But when you look at when you look at everything going on, it's kind of hard to see that they just couldn't find any have any findings towards that. Right, I, I just think that that something else is going on. Something something's got to be done, and I think people are going to lose their marbles either way on the outcome of this. It's kind of a uh, you know, you know, we're gonna get upset if we if we find out this. We're gonna get upset if we find out that. 
we're gonna we're everything's gonna be a fri- quote unquote frenzy, no pun intended. You know, around here because the result is not gonna be the one that pleases everybody. You know, either Michigan's gonna get upset and fans are gonna get upset, or the or people outside of Michigan are gonna get upset and fans are gonna get upset. So it's it's one of those things where it's like we can't really win for lose here, man. It, we just can't. We just, it's a lose lose. So that's the update on the sign stealing investigation. Uh, Connor Stallions is gone. Uh, they were expected and could be still, who knows, expected to punish some, you know, punish Jim Harbaugh, but they still think the NCAA just came, came out with this yesterday that they couldn't have any findings on Jim Harbaugh connected to this. So is there going to be punishment? Who knows? Pete Thamel says there could be within the 48 hours, could be a legal battle. Everything is boiling down and up going up there with Ann Arbor. And they got a game this weekend. They travel to Happy Valley in State College to play Penn State. And we're going to break that game down here in a little bit. But that's the science sibling investigation. And that's what's going on in other news in college football. Now, who's ready for the frenzy playoff rankings? I know I am. Last week was interesting. And I kind of mixed it up. I should have put Oklahoma State in there. Don't worry. They're in there this week. I should have put them in there. They were a, they were a good football team, and they deserve to be in there. So we're going to go with the rankings and go with the playoff rankings for week 11. Note, we're unveiling it now, and if you miss this part of the episode, and if you miss a little bit of the episode, or in general, just go back and re-watch it. It's okay. It's on platforms everywhere, and it's on YouTube. But we're also going to post it on socials. We're going to post it Wednesdays on all social platforms on X, Facebook, and Instagram. The Frenzy Playoff Rankings for Week 11 will be out Wednesday tomorrow. So, number 25, Liberty and Conference USA. I mean, they are undefeated, 9-0, Liberty, 25. You got to put them in there. I think they're a good team, and they're a solid They're a solid team with Jamie Chatwell. So, good football team there. North Carolina at 24. They earned the right to, to, to come back in. I think they played a solid game. I saw a game against Campbell. Even though it's against Campbell, they still played good. Two loss, North Carolina at 24. Notre Dame, 23. Three loss team at 23. I think they're a good football team still, but Sam Hartman's not been playing his best football. He really hasn't. Clemson upset them in, in Death Valley in Clemson, South Carolina. They dropped 23 after losing three games, and, I, and they're just not playing their best football. Clemson upsets them. Notre Dame at 23, 7-3. Let's see what happens. I kind of expected a little bit of a better season from Notre Dame, but here we are, right? 22, how about the Arizona Wildcats at 22? I put them at 22 because Jed Fish is doing an incredible job at Arizona. Six wins. They're bowl eligible, man. They upset UCLA. The other day, they upset UCLA the other day. Uh, UCLA is knocked out of my rankings currently uh, because of this. But Arizona coming back in, man. Kansas State's also out of my rankings as well, as well as USC. So Arizona at 22. I made a mistake and I forgot to include this. Due to their move from the FCS to FBS, James Madison is ineligible for the college football playoff this season. But in my rankings, I'm still going to put them in there because they're undefeated in 9 and 0. They will remain in the 20 in the top 25. They'll remain at the 20s, the 20s spot though. They won't go past 20 in my rankings, but James Madison ineligible is at 21. I will put I will move them around 20 to 21, but 21 is James Madison. 20 Tulane in the American Conference. Tulane's a good football team. Michael Pratt all cylinders, Willie Fritz, good football team, and I expect them to 
could win the American Conference once again. 19, LSU. LSU, three-loss team, 6-3. and three. They could get their seventh win against Florida this Saturday night, but let's see what happens. LSU's a football team where they're still good. They're just not ready to compete yet with the lines of an LA, with an, a Georgia, with an Alabama. But they're 19. They're still in it. And they could go for a 10-win season. Uh, I still I still believe LSU could be a 10-win a team this year. Remaining schedule is Florida, Georgia State next Saturday, and then they got... They're in the game with Texas A&M. So let's just see how LSU does. 18, Kansas. They played a good game against Iowa State. 18 is Kansas. They move up. Missouri is at 17 after losing to Georgia. I dropped them from, they were at 14 in my rankings, and they would go from down three spots. I don't think Missouri losing to Georgia is that, that crucial. I think they played a tough game. And they still deserve to be in the college football playoff rankings. Let's see what the rankings in the college football playoff committee has them at tonight on ESPN. But in the in the pigskin frenzy rankings, in the frenzy rankings, they're at 17. So Missouri played good ball. They just were outmatched. Oklahoma at 16 after losing to Oklahoma State in Bedlam. 16, Oklahoma. 15, hello, Oklahoma State. And they deserve to be in there. The Cowboys in Stillwater are at 15. 14 is Utah. They played a lights-out game against Arizona State. 55-3 win for Kyle Whittingham and the Utes. They play Washington, and let's see what happens Saturday in Seattle. Tennessee, 13. They have a showdown at 2.30 on CBS in Columbia against Missouri. Let's see what happens. They're 13 in my book. Tennessee's been playing a little bit better ever since that loss against Alabama. They're, in, they're improving a little bit, going a little bit, you know, back to a more, you know, flashy playbook a little bit, and they're expanding. And I think let's see what happens with Missouri. That game's going to be crucial for both teams uh, as Tennessee has to play Missouri and then goes back home to play Georgia next week. So Tennessee at 13. The best two-loss team is Oregon State. And they're at 12. Oregon State's a solid football team. I think Oregon State uh, is is still in it. I think they're a team that you can't really, you can't really, you know, count out. Uh, they still got Washington. They still got Oregon. Uh, just watch out for them, man. Just watch out for them. They played a solid game against, they played a solid game against Colorado and beat Colorado. They also, also lost to Arizona, and Arizona's a good football team. The Pac-12 just got some good teams this year. Even though it's gone next year, the Pac-12's done, they got some good teams this year. Good ending for the Pac-12, guys. 12, Oregon State. 10 and 11, you're going to be surprised. Penn State 11 and Louisville 10. I got Louisville in the top 10. I got Penn State at 11 because I think, despite them beating Maryland bad, I do want them to show me something against Michigan. I think what they did against Ohio State kind of made them one-dimensional on offense, and they didn't really use Drew Allard to the max how like they should have, right? And I just think against the other against other competition, it's good when you're playing, you know, um, no offense against Maryland, against anybody else. Penn State may be better, but what are they going to do against Michigan, and what are they going to do against Ohio State? We saw what they did against Ohio State, what are they going to do against Michigan Saturday? That's why I put them at 11. I just don't see them in the top 10 right now. Louisville at 10. I think Louisville is ahead, and I think Louisville is a solid team. Uh, they played really good against Vitek, and they got 
they got they got some good competition along the way, but it's looking like Louisville could go to the ACC championship against Florida State. They're 10. Number nine, Ole Miss. They played a good game against Texas A&M. A&M almost had them. They almost had them there in the end, but A&M missed a field goal. 38-35, Ole Miss defeats Texas A&M in Oxford, and now they got to go to Athens to play Georgia. Number nine, Ole Miss. Let's see what happens there. Number eight, Texas against Kansas State, survived against Kansas State. I think Texas is still eight. Alabama is seven after beating LSU, even though Texas beat Alabama head-to-head, straight up. I think currently Alabama is better than Texas, and I think if they lined up right now, I think Bama beats Texas. If they rematch again and they played each other again, Alabama beats Texas. I I I really do. Neutral site or anywhere, I think Texas loses to Alabama. I think Bama was it was not completely ready. They they didn't have they weren't developed on the O line and they weren't developed discipline wise. But now they are more disciplined and their O line issues are fixed. And Jalen Milrow has come into his own as the quarterback for this team. And they got some heart and they got some they toughness. So Alabama at seven, Texas at eight. I think Bama right now has got the nod over Texas. Number six through one. Number six, Oregon. I think Oregon is still six right now. Uh, one loss team. They're the highest ranked one loss team in my eyes. And I think Oregon is a team that you do not want to mess with currently. They got USC Saturday uh, at home. I think Oregon does go in to, at home and to defeat USC. And I think they remain a, a strong one loss team. And this is a team that I would keep my on, eye on for the playoff. And I would watch out playing because they're a solid and well coached football team. Number five, Florida State. I moved Florida State in, out from number four because I think Florida State against Pitt did not show me enough consistent, you know, consistency. And I think in the first half, it was. They didn't play their best football, and in the second half, they came back and ended up beating Pitt, but they didn't show enough consistency to start the to start the game or finish the game strong, and that's what I was been looking for for Florida State. That kind of, you know, was kind of a turnoff a little bit for me there, and that kind of made me think, okay, they're number five this week, and we're, you know, they're one spot out. The first two out of the playoffs in the frenzy edition of the rankings are Oregon and Florida State. Number four, Washington. They showed enough consistency and they showed enough overall as they beat USC to go in and they are number four. So number four, Washington. And three through one, the same as last week. Ohio State, number three. Georgia, number two. And Michigan is number one. I still think Michigan is the most complete team in college football. I think Georgia is pretty darn close. And I think Ohio State, because of their resume, which is the truth, they did have two top wins. But Notre Dame is proven to be a little bit, nah, you know, as they continue on in their season. But, but they did beat... Penn State and Notre Dame when they were in the top 10. So Ohio State's at three, one, uh, undefeated. Georgia at two after a strong win against Missouri and Michigan at one. Because even though the sign signaling investigation is going on, Michigan is still the number one team. And they are still, in my eyes, and they are still the most complete team in college football. How the college football playoff rankings have it from last week is Ohio State at one, Georgia at two, and Michigan at three. Ohio State at one because of strength of schedule and because of talent. They do have talent, and the strength of schedule 
for you know like the the the, the, the scheduling with you know the two top wins and the resume, right? Sure. But in my eyes, if you looked at the the three teams, I think Georgia's ahead of Ohio State, and I think Michigan's ahead of Ohio State. I think those teams on the field can beat Ohio State currently. That's just my that's just my thoughts, my take, and my my honest thoughts on the situation of the top three compared to my top three. So Michigan at one, Georgia at two, Ohio State at three. Those are the frenzy playoff rankings for week eleven. And we will post them on social media tomorrow if you have missed it. Now, let's go with the week 11 preview and predictions. Let's kick it off with Tennessee and Missouri. Tough game and a game where it's kind of tricky a little bit. Another tricky game. Uh, It's in Columbia. Missouri coming off of a tough, heartfelt loss against Georgia. Uh, Tennessee coming off of a big blowout win against UConn. Uh, seven and two, both looking to be in the thick of things still in the East, but it's going to be tough. Uh, both second behind, I mean, both tied really at second behind Georgia in the East, uh, Tennessee at Missouri. The keys to this game for Tennessee is put pressure on Brady cook, make Brady cook, make some mistakes and limit him a little bit on the offensive side of the ball and just play some tough defense against Brady cook and the Missouri offense. Cause Missouri's got some good offense. They got some good players and some good playmakers on that offense. Tennessee's just got to play some good defense, and I think if they do, they can find a way to try to get this one and win this game. For Missouri, keep feeding Cody Schrader. I mean, I can't say that enough. Establish the run with Cody Schrader and keep feeding him. Cody Schrader is a solid back. I think if you put up some yards with him and make him a difference maker in the in the offensive game plan for Missouri, they have a shot at winning this football game. So uh, keep feeding Cody Schrader if you're Mizzou, Missouri. Who wins this game? close game. I think it's going to be the closest game out of all the games that I'm, you know, recover, uh, reporting on and covering for this week. I think, and just because of a little bit better and a little bit talent, a little bit, a little bit more talent on offense currently and, and home field advantage. Give me Mizzou to win this game close. I say a, a, a score of 28-21. 28 Missouri, 21 Tennessee. Missouri goes 8-2, and two and Tennessee falls to 7-3. and three. Missouri, 28. Tennessee, 21. And they get the win at home over Tennessee. Utah at Washington. This is an interesting one. Uh, Utah, tough team. Two-loss team. They, they lost pretty badly against Oregon a couple of weeks ago. But... But they played. They they fought back against this past Saturday against Arizona State and won pretty heftily. Washington hadn't looked all that impressive against Arizona State and Stanford, but looked pretty impressive in how they have looked all year against USC. Right, so undefeated Washington against seven and two Utah. For Utah, for defense, they just got to find a way to contain this Washington offense. Dylan Johnson on the ground, the weapons on the, through the air with Roma Dunze, Jalen Jalen McMillan if he's back and healthy, and Jalen Polk along with Michael Penix, the, who could be the Heisman winner. They got to just find a way to contain and limit those playmakers on offense. And if they can do it, they're in a game and they could probably pull off the upset. For Washington, they just got to pressure Bryson Barnes into making some mistakes, limit him, pressure him into making some mistakes, and that's how you get him. So, who wins this game? 
I think it's going to be a two-score game, honestly, at home. Because of home field advantage and Seattle's going to be rocking, give me Washington to beat Utah. Uh, I'm going to go by a score of 35-21, 35-Washington, 21-Utah, and I think they win by 14. Washington defeats Utah. Nothing against Utah. I just think Washington's a step ahead right now, and I think they got it right now. So give me Washington, 35-21 against the Utah Utes. Now, you're thinking, okay, two more games. Going through it a little bit quick, but here. Which big game are you going to do first? Let's go with the Big Ten. Michigan at Penn State. Have not picked a Michigan game all year. Have not picked a Michigan game all year. And for, for good reason. I mean, all their games have been kind of blowouts. Michigan has blown out everyone so far. So Michigan at Penn State. Here is what the question is. And can Penn State, and this is and this is my thing, can Penn State play like they did in every other game besides Ohio State and be not and not one dimensional? That is what my biggest thing is. For Michigan, they got to limit Drew Allard to be one dimensional. They got to limit him and not make him, you know, make him look like, you know, first-year starter and make him look, okay, he is, he's on there and he is trying to find a way to, try, trying to find a way to just limit him and make him one-dimensional. Make the offense one-dimensional, and I think that's the best way to put it when it comes to the key of this game for Michigan. You limit Drew Allard, you limit this offense, make him look one-dimensional, you win the game. Penn State's defense needs to cause chaos for J.J. McCarthy in the offense. The offensive line didn't look all that impressive against Purdue, which was surprising for Michigan. And I felt like that with Penn State, if they cause, because they have the number one rushing defense in college football, actually. That's a stat. With Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, if they could stop the run and slow down the run and cause J.J. McCarthy some chaos and make J.J. McCarthy, you know, miss a little bit, they can do it. They could probably find a way to pull off the upset if the defense does enough to just cause mistakes for that J.J. McCarthy and that offense with Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. The defensive players for Penn State, look at them. Kalen King, Kobe King, Johnny Dixon for the defensive backs for the secondary, and a dual Carter up in the middle with a little linebacker spot. So I would look and just trade lightly and be careful if you're Michigan on offense. Who wins the game? I think the game's going to be close at first. I think going into halftime, it's going to be close. But I think I think Michigan comes out at halftime, and I think they run away with it. I think Michigan wins. I think they win by, by two scores, and they run away with it. Final score, Michigan 28, Penn State 14. Michigan 28, Penn State 14. Penn State goes to 8-2. and two. Michigan goes to 10-0. and 0, And they win two scores on their way to play Maryland and then Ohio State a couple of weeks later. Last game, and we will conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Ole Miss at Georgia. Night game, ESPN in Athens. Big time matchup here. Ole Miss at Georgia. I thought that Ole Miss played a good game against Texas A&M, but physically, I did not think physically they won that game against Texas A&M. Unpopular opinion, I know. But you're, but you're thinking right now, dude, are you serious? They played a little bit physical, but not physical enough to separate themselves from the pack against A&M. So 
Georgia has been playing really physical football. Here's the keys. You got to have a perfect offensive game plan like you normally do because you're Lane Kiffin, right? And then meet the physicality of Georgia. If you want to try to pull off the upset, you got to meet the physicality of Georgia. You got to play physical football in the trenches and have an offensive game plan to confuse that defense and make some create some different looks to confuse that defense and to score on them and to ice this game and pull off the upset in Athens. It's going to be hard. No one has beaten Georgia in two years. It's going to be hard. But let's see if it happens because they could probably do it. Ole Miss could be up for the challenge. And if you're Georgia's defense, I would pressure, bring the physicality, obviously, and then pressure Jackson Dart. I think Jackson Dart is a has been playing like a madman, playing like one of the most underrated quarterbacks in college football who does not get enough credit. Jackson Dart's been playing some good ball. If you pressure him, call sacks, make some mistakes, even make him throw some picks, may, Georgia could can run away with this when it in the game. This game to me is all about who plays more physical, who plays more physical football, who wins the game close in the first half. I think Ole Miss right now is not as physical as Georgia. It is hard for me to sit there and say that Ole Miss wins this game. And, 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 and it's listen, Ole Miss is a solid team. They have ran the table. This far, and I'm I'm super glad for them. Surprised about it and super glad for them. But I think Ole Miss loses to Georgia. I think Georgia wins by two scores in this game. I think Georgia wins by 14. Uh, it's going to be a final score. Georgia, 35. Ole Miss, 21. I think Georgia, 35. Ole Miss, 21. And they just are a little bit more physical. And Carson Beck, helps this offense run away with it later in the game. So 14-point game, Georgia 35, Ole Miss 21 to move to 10-0 and for Ole Miss to go to 8-2 on to a 10-win season for Ole Miss. So that just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy. A big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday. Just, you know, sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple. If you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Now, if you're on X, Instagram, and Facebook, follow, like the pages there on Pigskin Frenzy. All you got to do is type that, that name in. Uh, you'll have episode updates uh, news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Trivia question today on Instagram. Go and answer today's story on answer, on answer today's trivia question on today's story. And as always, right? Keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy for all updates for about Pigskin Frenzy. So again, a big thank you. We're gonna be back Thursday again for Pigskin Frenzy on the NFL side of things and talk about the top games and talk about the injury reports again and talk about everything going on around the league. Week 9 recap, Week 10 preview and predictions for the NFL Thursday. Before I go, just an off note for football. This is not football related, but uh, I got a message from uh, the one and the only at Late Kick Josh, Josh Pate from Late Kick, uh, 24-7 Sports and CBS. If you don't watch his show, go and, you know, 
listen to him. Uh, it was an inspiring message, uh, and I and there's a video on his pinned account on X. I watched it, clicked it the other day, and was sitting there thinking, okay, you know, this is, you know, let me, let me just click it because I, I haven't really seen it. I saw it. And it was his story, pretty much, and how he got into this and doing this. And it inspired me to message to message him. It inspired me to reach out to him. And uh, personally, lately, uh, I've been kind of going through a rough time personally. So, um, and this is not an announcement of anything. I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm going through. This is strictly just me just talking before we conclude today's episode. But I've been going through a rough time personally. And uh, he responded back and said awesome stuff about pigskin frenzy and keep stacking good days, quote unquote. And it got me thinking and it got me thinking, you know, man, this is just great. It inspires me and it inspires me to keep going doing pigskin frenzy and it inspires me to do it every Tuesday and Thursday. I'm sorry for going on with this this so long uh, because we got to we got to wrap it up here, but it inspires me to go on with the show and it inspires me to keep going. And if anybody's going through a hard time, go and talk to somebody about it. I mean, don't just sit there and, you know, you know, just sit and go you know, and just keep it all boggled in. If you need to talk to somebody, go and talk to somebody. Go seek counsel from family, friends, you know, or help in general. Just go and contact somebody and, and talk to somebody and they'll love on you and uh, they'll, you know, and hopefully they'll spread the kindness and love that Jesus gave to us, right? So uh, it helps to talk to somebody if you're going through a rough time and just, you know, keep on plugging in and just keep on going, right? Don't give up on anything. And if you have a hope or dream to do something, don't don't give up on it, right? Just keep on going and do not give up on your dreams and keep fighting for your dreams. I'm fighting for my dream currently right now. And this is just doing pigskin frenzy. I love this. I'm not going to stop because I love doing this too much and I love reporting and talking about college football and NFL football on Tuesdays and Thursdays to you guys. So that's just me. This is just me speaking from the heart. This is not me talking about football. This is an off topic. This is me telling everybody and messaging everybody to follow their dreams and keep plugging into their dreams and don't stop. Do not stop, please. Call to somebody. Find help if you're going through a hard time and just keep plugging in and just keep going because it's going to get better. And I'm learning that now. I'm going to go through that. I'm going through that process now and thinking in my head, okay, it will get better. So uh, that's just my personal story and my personal thing and my personal you know, thoughts. Just keep on going. And to end this episode, and it's fitting to say this, everybody out there, just please, 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 until Thursday, stay the course.